This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023-24 season. Before we get started, you know the drill. Hit the subscribe button and the notification bell for all things LA sports, especially LA basketball and, of course, just NBA basketball in general. If you love the game of basketball, then you got to be here. And on this live, we're going to be talking about the two game winning streaks for both LA teams. I want to apologize to my Laker fans in advance. I will not be uh, able to talk about the Portland Trailblazer game on Friday night because I didn't get to watch it yet, but I will be covering that on my episode of basketball and Figaro with Edwin that'll be out on Tuesday morning so I'll still cover it I'll, in this live we're going to be talking about Lakers Rockets from Sunday night but first Clippers and Spurs the Clippers my Clippers getting their second win in a row with 13 strip with Jane Harden and first of all if you're on Twitter 29 people is way too much get off that please I don't make money from there you see the link underneath the tweet that you're on. Please click on that and come to YouTube. It's very important for me to get everybody on YouTube because I'm trying to get to this 10,000 subscribers. This is not a game for me. Then this is not a drill. So get over there, please. I put the link below the tweet. Let's go. W's in the chat, ladies and gentlemen. The Clippers with two straight wins. This one against the San Antonio Spurs. Their second win against the Spurs this season, of course, the first one. We have a vlog of that. Victor Wembanyama's first road game. You can catch that on the channel. And by the way, if you did not check out the vlog at the James Harden game winner game, you got to check that out. It's on the channel. The vlogs have been going another level this season. You guys have been responding really well as the audience. Thousands of views on basically every single one. And, I mean, with my new phone and the mics I have now, interviewing fans outside the arena, I mean, you got you to gotta keep staying tuned because the, the level is just going to keep going up here. But anyway, so Clippers and Spurs, we had to get the win, right? This is a great chance for us to get a little streak going, beat the Rockets the other night, and the Spurs are just not as good as the Rockets. And Devin No Vaseline did not play in this game. And I've watched a lot of Spurs games this season, and their offense is nowhere near the same without Vassell. They don't really have anybody that can come off of screens and be a real threat. Keldon Johnson... The re I don't really love him in the pick and roll because he doesn't really come off the screens quick enough. He's really not that quick. And it seems like guys are really in his rear view when he pulls up off of screens, whereas Vassell gets pretty clean looks off. Trey Jones is the only other guy I'd say on the Spurs that kind of can threaten in the pick and roll. But they play with Jeremy Sohan at the one, and I actually really like Jeremy Sohan. I think if he gets a jumper, he can be a star in the league. But he has no jumper right now that anyone's respecting. So unless he's like using his size and his and his strength to get inside the paint. I'm not really that moved by no one's really that scared of his one-on-one -on -one package, right? Doesn't really have a handle like that in terms of like a wiggle to his game in a bag, so to speak. So, the Spurs offense without Vassell, it's weak. And let me just say this, that was one of the poorest passing displays I've ever seen in my entire life in an NBA game. Like routine law passes being thrown off the backboard it was insane it was pathetic and it was funny because i'm going to talk about this later but people were talking about the lakers and rockets game and how the lakers shouldn't be struggling so much against the rockets 
And people are just underestimating the Rockets. Uh, by the way, I'm going to talk about them at the end because I've finally gotten my the gist of who they are as a team this season, and I want to talk about them and a little bit of the Dallas Mavericks as well. But everybody was clowning the Lakers and saying, oh, you know, you barely beat them and stuff like that. The Rockets are, are not a, an easy win this season. Not an easy win. And then some people were saying, oh, it's just because the NBA is better than it's ever been top to bottom and this and that. And I'm just like, I'd have to really look at the years. There's a lot of offensive talent and the three-point variance can make it so that it's easier to lose to bad teams these days because if you just have enough shot creators out there, these are NBA players, more guys that can shoot threes than ever before. So if you're hypothetically really cold one night, getting a lot of open threes and the other team's hot, then you lose. Better chance, whereas before, it was tougher to create shots. That being said, to say there's no easy wins in the NBA is just false because that was an easy win. That was... A joke, quite frankly. But we got to give the Clippers credit, so let's get to it. James Harden and Russell Westbrook with some really great playmaking games tonight, especially James Harden. 16 assists and zero turnovers for both of them combined. I'm going to say that again. 16 turnovers and zero assists for Russell Westbrook and James Harden combined. We'll take that all day long. And then, how about the performance of Daniel Tice, Tice, baby? Oh, man. That looked like 2020, Daniel Tice. Pick and pop three. Floaters. Catching the ball and going up quickly without hesitation. Zoo, take notes, please, on that in that respect. Playing hard defense. Just being another body out there. Can we, let me get some ice emojis in the chat for Daniel Tice's performance tonight. Oh, my God. If he can continue to play like that, I know it's the Spurs without Devin Vassell, but if he can play like that, if it's Zubats and Mason Plumlee, you better watch their backs. People are even talking about Daniel Tice playing the four. Well, I'll, I'll talk about that kind of stuff later in the episode, but let's just get to the game, right? Clippers obviously just had way too much talent for the Spurs, but I'm going to say this. Man, doesn't that feel good to say? The Clippers just had too much talent for the Spurs. Ha <laughs> If I had told myself that 15 years ago, I would have like been like, what are you talking about? Like, you live in an alternate reality. You're damn right I do. Sorry, Tim Duncan and Manu and Tony. You're missed. Kind of. Not really. Uh, I do miss them, though. But not when they played against us. So let me just say this. Everybody knows how I felt about the starting lineup move. You take one of Russ or Harden out of the starting lineup, this is a serious basketball team with a chance to go really far again. It was a joke. With all four of them in there, I said that from the start. That was why I was re resistant to the trade. I didn't think that we would actually get Russell Westbrook to come off the bench after we had promised him a starting role when he signed with us. But right now it's happening. Body language was different in this one. And it really all comes down to how Russ feels like he's playing. That's what it's going to take to keep him invested in this role and for the quest to win the championship. Is If he feels like he's playing well, then he's going to buy into that bench role. If he doesn't feel like he isn't, he's going to be moody. He's not going to be as ecstatic on the bench, and he's going to get a bunch of quotes and questions about it. So that's what, and I thought he was good. His body language was good. And in this game, it's not just because the Clippers won by 25, but he had those eight points to start the second quarter, the, our first eight points of the quarter. And I think that got him into a groove. And you saw the positive body language when he came out of the game. And he only got one stint in the first half, just like last game, but it was much longer. But anyway, you know what's funny? Going into this game, I was going to tweet 12 games in a row to start the season. And Paul George and Kawhi have played every single one. I've been knocking on this wooden door next to me 
for the whole summer and so far to start this season. And so far, it's been okay. I don't believe in that jinxing shit. And it's so funny because I turned the TV on and the second I turned it on, Paul George was grabbing his eye and I was like, oh my God. So they couldn't couldn't say I jinxed it if I tweeted it, which I didn't. But I don't believe in that stuff. Um, Fact of the matter is, it's amazing. And do not take it for granted that Paul George and Kawhi are healthy right now through 12 games. It could happen. It could be an injury at any moment. It could. Just, just the nature of sports. But right now they're healthy, and I'm really appreciative of that. And it's great to see them be healthy for double-digit games in a row. And I hope it continues. So anyway, Kawhi Leonard missed his first three shots. At first, I was like, oh, man, Kawhi. It's just, he's, he's been struggling from the field lately. But then I remembered something I said a couple of days ago. Oftentimes, Kawhi will miss his first three shots, but it's a rhythm thing. He's got to keep shooting. And that is a big reason why that ch- that change in the starting lineup, just taking one big ego out, one guy that wants the ball out, is going to help everybody else, including our best player, who was sacrificing because he wanted to accommodate the new starting five. And now he kept getting those shots up, and he shot himself into rhythm. And that's how Kawhi is. And I've noticed that by having him on my team for now, Four, it's been four years because he didn't play one of the years. So he was 0 for 3. Then he started getting going. Started with a corner 3. Then he hit a mid-range. And James Harden was doing his thing in pick and roll. The only problem I have with Harden is I just think his ISOs can be disgusting. Except he he hezied Wemby so bad when he made it 4-2 to two that this dude Wemby like literally was on a flight back to Paris. Damn near. It was, it was nice. I mean, James, he definitely, if you want to talk about somebody who has a bag, James Harden absolutely has a bag. I just think that when he isos, he dribbles way too much, dude. Way too much. And that step back after he dribbles so much and everyone's just watching is ridiculous. But besides that, he definitely did a good job of trying to get everybody going. And he did a bunch of great things in pick and roll, which you know he's great at and will be great at against a team like San Antonio especially. I mean, getting two feet in the paint, finding open shooters, and you know the spacing with Kawhi and Paul. And Terrence Mann with James Harden on the ball and Zubats is great. You know, it's great. The one thing I have to say, Terrence Mann, he is letting these early three-point shooting struggles really affect him. He's being way too hesitant and he's passing up a lot of open threes. He needs to let it fly. Needs to. On the other side of things, though, he created four turnovers single-handedly. Two of them were in the post. One against Collins, one against Wemby. I mean, that's the thing why we love Terrence Mann so much because even if he's having a bad offensive game, and objectively, to me, it was not a good offensive game, he still contributes. He's still a connective piece. And sometimes less is more. For people who are like, oh, he, we need somebody that can shoot and stuff like that. Sometimes you need a guy that doesn't want the ball, that's just going to do those little things because then you have other stars that can get the ball more. Terrence Mann, my friends, number 14, winning basketball player. Now, Westbrook comes in, and again, I want to see this taken out but you never know it could be tinkering tie or as i like to call him when he's fucking around tinkle tie russ and harden playing together i don't like it both halves we saw it we went to a 2-3 zone in the first quarter of this game with harden and Kawhi up top i believe and then we had uh no i'm sorry russ and Kawhi up top and then harden tice and paul george down low and russ after missing two shots so right when Harden came in and Russ missed two open shots, I was like, I just don't like that Harden and Russ play together because it just makes Russ have to spot up and be off the ball more. And the defense is just going to try to double team whoever has the ball and force us to rotate the ball over to Russ. And it's not ideal. But 
there was the first play that really got Russ going was an interception in that 2-3 zone. And then he dropped it off for Daniel Tice, who was trailing, who put up a floater right away without hesitation and scored. And that was the beginning of what was an insane performance by Daniel Tice. I know it's against the Spurs and whatnot, but I didn't really know if Daniel Tice could still do that in an NBA game. I hadn't seen him have that kind of game in many, many years. And, you know, this is a guy that played like seven games last year for the Pacers. So it wasn't bad, the Russ and Harden lineup in that first quarter, just because the Spurs aren't good without Vassell. I mean, they're not even good with him, but without him, they're especially putrid. So, you know, especially with Sohan, who I like, but you have to go, you can go under the screen with him. So there's not that many pick and roll threats in what's a pick and roll league. And then let's talk about Wemby, right? Wemby is exactly what I thought he would be. He is a great defender. He has the potential to be one of the great defenders that we've ever seen. His closeout ability is insane, how he can cover ground. But offensively, he's a guy that's going to get a lot of highlights. He has this amazing fluidity for a big. But he's exactly what I always say about these modern bigs that want to play like guards. When you switch even smaller defenders onto him that are strong, they cannot punish him. And I don't see enough aggression from Wemby. And it goes beyond his weight. You know, even gangly guys like that, you can still try to get better positioning closer to the basket. If they're pushing you, pushing you, well, okay, tell the ref, watch the push. Is it legal? If it's not legal, tell the refs, let them see it. Battle a little bit. Get a little physical. Just because you're skinny doesn't mean you can't battle a little bit. How about playing angles? If guys are leaning on you so much, spin. You know, these are, have you seen other, come on, Wemby. I I think he's young, so I'm not going to be too harsh on him. But if we're going to glorify this guy like he's the second coming of Christ, I have to call out what I'm seeing on the basketball floor. And the fact of the matter is he can get a clean look over anybody because of his height. But at the end of the day, a big man that is not going to take advantage of size, they're going to get clean looks offensively, but it's going to come down to if they're making jump shots that night. And he's not Kevin Durant shooting jump shots. So the defense is living with it. If I'm a defender and I'm Terrence Mann and I get a seven foot four guy who's almost a foot taller than me to shoot 16 feet away from me when I'm this close to them, okay, he doesn't see my contest, but he doesn't put me two feet in the paint. I'm living with it. Every team's going to live with it. And I think as, a, as an offense, not having a point guard that's great, you know, Trey Jones is good. But they don't really lean into him as much. They don't even start him, and he's like the only point guard on the roster. That doesn't help Wemby. You need to use him as more of a screener. And like for example, Anthony Davis, we'll talk about later. His offense is not what it used to be because his jump shot has declined. But he's still such a good roller. Wemby, while he might not be the roller AD, is he's so tall. His wingspan is crazy. Sometimes you can just throw it up to the Estrellas and he can get it. You know what I'm saying? So. You need to use him in more of a pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop threat. And honestly, I think Zach Collins being out there hurts him, but then there's the you-don't-want-to-play-him-at-the-five thing. And by the way, Wemby, how long he sat out in the second quarter, it was ridiculous. Like, this is a rookie. He should be playing more. How many minutes did he play? 27. Like, come on, what? This is your franchise player. He's playing against a good team unless people are starting to think that the Spurs are tanking again and they want to try to maybe get a guard in the draft this upcoming year to pair with Wemby. Maybe USC's very own Isaiah. We'll see. By the way, I'm going to probably have a USC vlog soon. Go to a game because I want to see Isaiah. But anyway, that's my thing with Wemby. So Russ started getting going a bit. And by the way, one thing I think is so funny. We have two guys on our roster 
that gets some of the most generous calls I've ever seen. Like, I honestly was watching the game in the first quarter, and I was, like, shaking my head at, like, how much I hate it. But it's on my team, and we're getting benefit out of it, so it's okay. But in the playoffs, I'm a little skeptical of this stuff. And it's already bit hard in the ass several times in playoff games. But Norman Powell, everybody's talked about that, Clipper fans, for, for since we've gotten him, that in the playoffs, he might not get those calls, and it's going to look silly. And we have two guys now that do that. These guys got three three-point fouls in the first half. Norm with two, and Harden... One of my biggest issues with him is that, that any time he even lands or touches a toe on the way down in his landing space, or you know, he, he sells it for sure. And sometimes he even gets bumped on the landing, but he falls, and that's what gets the ref. And sometimes it's like he's looking for it, like lunging forward to look for it. Granted, he is a very good shooter, so people are going to close out hard. In his prime, they always did. And some, a lot of the time, they were fouls. But he focuses so much on getting those fouls. And the, the, the landing space emphasis after Kawhi got stepped on by Zaza helped James Harden so much. People don't want to hear that, but it's a fact. He was already good at getting uh, fouls before, but that helped everybody. But James Harden a lot because he abused it. But anyway, in the regular season, it's going to be beneficial for the Clippers. And you know what? The Clippers had Blake Griffin, who didn't get any calls. And the people used to try to intentionally hurt him. And before we got Blake Griffin, we got the worst whistle in the world. And in the playoffs... He, um, what's it called? In the playoffs, it can bite you in the ass. But in the regular season, it's going to be great. It's going to be hilarious to watch, and we'll take it. Oh, I was going to say, in the playoffs, the Clippers have gotten shafted before. 2014 game five. Oh, wait, did I say 16 turnovers and zero assists? Oh, my God, I'm sorry. 16 assists, zero turnovers. I really said that? Wow, okay. So that's what I meant. Everybody knows what I meant. So Clippers led 33-27 after one after the foul-baiting master classes from Harden and Norman Powell. PG doing his thing, but he got more aggressive when Russ was in the game. And Russ started out that second quarter aggressive at the first eight points. I don't like when Paul George brings up the ball when Russ is on the court. And now we honestly don't even need Paul George to bring up the ball that much. But when Harden's on the court, it's more okay because he can spot up and shoot threes. But... At least let Russ bring the ball up. If you want PG to initiate or something or run the offense through him, fine. Like, there was one possession in the second quarter that was a perfect example of what I like with Russ. We had Russ bringing the ball up. Paul George comes off a pin down. Throw the ball to PG. And he works quickly and gets right into the pick and roll with Tice. The defense does not have time to load up off of Russ. Drops the pocket pass. Tice hits the floater. A lot of Tice. How about... His impact overall had a steal, active hands. He's talking on D. And when he hit that three, pick and pop, I was like, uh-oh. Zubots, you better step up your game, Zoo. Because Tice, Tice, baby. As the, the great Eddie Palladino used to say in Boston, Daniel Tice. Wow. I had so many memories watching Tice in Boston and Massachusetts uh, when I was in college. So I'm really happy to see the way he was playing. I mean, that was insane. And Russ seemed to work pretty well with him. And a pick-and-pop big, that could really help Russ in that second unit. But if he plays, you know how Ty Lue likes his spacing. If he starts playing really, really well, he might just start him. I don't know. But it's still a little undersized on D, which is, I think, part of why we went zone. But also the zone was a good move because the Spurs can't shoot the ball. So only Keldon Johnson's really worrying me from deep. And, you know, Zach Collins and Wemby, I'm living with it at the end of the day. So I thought Russ was good in the second uh, quarter. PG was solid outside of the occasional bad turnovers. Tice was just unbelievable. 
I thought he was all over the game. Terrence not shooting. It went from a 14-point lead to seven. They made a little run right before Harden and Kawhi came back in. By the way, I thought Harden defense I've been really watching intently. I thought first quarter he was pretty good, actually. Decent. Just trying. It's all effort at the end of the day. Second quarter, a little quieter when he came back in the game because he only played like the last four and a half minutes of the second. But it's nice that Paul George and Russ can be so good together that we can rest Harden and Kawhi more. So that's the benefit of having a big four of that kind of in, in that way is that Russ and PG have that fantastic chemistry. You can run them in lineups for extended periods. And Kawhi, when he came back in the game, he had two dunks. One where he literally just threw Jeremy Sohan out the way like he was a rag doll. And then another one where he stole the ball in the backcourt. And that's when you started to see the Spurs just get really reckless with the ball. And James Harden, he had a really nice stutter step in transition. Watch his feet, young kids. That was, see, okay. There are some things that Harden does that I'll say I'll show young kids. But a lot of it, nah, I would not show him as a, his passing is amazing. But other things, nah, I would not teach my uh, players that stuff. But the stutter step he did, that was nice. And overall, he was just creating good shots. Five assists in the first in the first quarter. I mean, one of the best offensive engines in the history of the game. That's true. Just missing some open threes, the Clips, overall. I think that's why, why we didn't fully blow it up in the first half. By the way, Vitsa Zubats, in the first half, I wasn't a huge fan of his performance. I know he had eight rebounds, but a lot of them were just the fact that he's in drop coverage and the Spurs just don't have enough guys to make us pay. So he's getting uncontested rebounds. I thought his defense was just okay in the first half. And he got blocked by Bassey twice. And But I will say one thing that was great was we only had two turnovers in the first half. In the game, we had seven. So we'll take that. The Spurs had 16. And we had 24 points off those turnovers. So it was nice to take advantage of those. Clippers outscored. We won every quarter tonight, so we finally gave no quarter again. 33-28 to 28 in the second. So we scored 33 points in the first and second quarters to have a 66 to 55 lead at the half. And then in the third quarter, you started to really see some absolute dimes from Plumber Jim. <laughs> that first one, 18 feet away to Paul George, that bounce pass was top tier, top tier. And then that outlet to Kawhi over the top. I mean, come on. It's not like I don't know how, how James Harden can pass the ball. I've watched him. I've watched his literally his whole career. Like I remember his rookie year. So I know what he can do offensively in terms of his passing ability. But, yeah, absolutely on full display in this game. And then it didn't actually feel like he was 4 for 12 from the field. It didn't feel like he shot well from 3, but I didn't think he was that inefficient. 2 for 8 from 3, in my opinion, too many step-back 3s for my liking. But that doesn't mean he played badly. He played great. And then remember what I said when we got him. We weren't going to be a fast-break, push-the-pace team anymore. We're going to be more of just an opportunistic push-the-pace team. So, like, when Harden catches the ball around half court off off an outlet pass, he can push the ball and make a play. He's going to do that. He's going to look to do that more than, you know, say with Philly or with – it's more, more like when he was in Brooklyn, you know what I mean? And then he can make the outlet, you know, he can make that first pass. So he'll look to do that. And I remember there was one time in the first half where he threw the ball to Russ. And I liked that because it was showing a sign of, okay, let me try to make it look less clunky when me and Russ are out there. So I like that from James. Overall, with the third quarter, his defense fell off. He left Keldon Johnson open a couple of times. But thankfully, 
it wasn't liability level, and it wasn't, and the Spurs just aren't good enough. And the Clippers, I thought, were pretty good. I thought Kawhi was good defensively. I thought Paul was pretty good, and Zoo much better in the second half, in my eyes. Got a block, got a dunk, and he his body language just looked a lot better after that block. I knew he was gonna be okay, and and Zoo had a pretty solid game, which makes two solid games in a row. Eight points, eleven rebounds for him on three for five shooting, but he only played twenty two minutes, so it's normal why, you know, he didn't feel like he was that as involved. Daniel Tice, though, wow, what a game. 19 points, 7 rebounds, 3 of those were offensive rebounds, and he shot 80%, 8 for 10, (laughs) 1 for 1 from 3 and 2 for 2 from the line. You got to love it. Now, one thing I don't like, we got to stop playing Zoo, Russ, and P.J. Tucker together. It's got to stop. The spacing is poor. I just think we should stop playing P.J. Tucker, period. And this is a guy who loves P.J. Tucker, actually, but he's not that same player anymore. If we had P.J. Tucker from the 2022 season with Miami, he was on the Heat, right? It went to seven games. That would be amazing, but he's not that player anymore. And I just don't think he should be. Does he really, is he really that much better than Kobe Brown? Maybe in the playoffs, but in the regular season, I don't know. But then Kawhi and PG, they still kept doing their thing. And it's funny because Kawhi, I, I noticed his 20-plus point performance. He had 21 points, four rebounds, three assists, a steal and a block, and zero turnovers in this game. And he was a plus 17 on eight for 17 shooting. Finally, first game with James Harden that he shot over 16 shots. I'm waiting for that 20-shot game, but you know what? He only played 28 minutes in this game, so he didn't even need to shoot 20. He was on pace, too, and it's nice that we got another win, our first with James, that comes with resting the starters. I thought Kawhi was really solid in this game, and for everyone saying he looks kind of washed, be a little more patient because it's coming. And then Paul George. It's funny because it didn't even feel like he was in your face scoring from him, but then Brian Seaman out of nowhere was like, he's got 25, and I'm like, what? PG's got 25? It just felt like the game was over midway through the third quarter, so maybe that's why I wasn't at, you know, as intently paying attention. But he was actually our leading scorer in this game. 28 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. He had 2 turnovers, but Podcast P has been our best player through 12 games. That's not even debatable, in my opinion. Another very solid performance. 11 for 16 from the field. Uber efficient. 4 for 8 from 3. And you definitely got to say Harden made that easier. I just think that... You know, I don't understand why people were saying that we weren't getting good shots with Russ, though. Our offensive rating and stuff was never bad with Russ and Paul George and Kawhi together. So I don't know why people are getting that we're, we're getting that from. Of course, you can make an argument that Harden's going to make it better, but I never thought our p- problem was offense, except if you're arguing Russ, shot quality, crunch time, but not throughout the game. I never thought that was our issue. I thought that we lacked a little bit of point of attack defense and Ty not optimizing our team by m- playing shaky lineups, but... Clippers cruise to a win. You saw Amir Coffey, Musa Diabate, Bones Highland come in at the end, but I, I kind of stopped paying attention in the fourth. Let's read the lines. Clippers win it 124-99, to 99, one of the best wins of the season. I wouldn't say as good as the first Spurs game because the Spurs right now are on a real downward side of momentum, and the losing can get to you, especially for a young team, and they don't have a sell. So I think our first performance was more impressive. But it's both wins against the Spurs. The important thing is you're taking care of business and you're building habits. So we were building different different habits with a different team back then. Now we're doing it with this team. It feels like two different seasons. But thankfully, it's only the beginning of the season. So we still have so much time to build. That was the first road win of our season. Clippers are 0-6 on the road before that. We'll take that one. The Spurs have only won one home game this year. And that was against the Houston Rockets in game number two. I don't even think it's relevant to read any of the Spurs lines. I'll just say that Malachi Branham at 10 points, 
Trey Jones had 11 points, and Shetty Osman, who's off to a really good start to the season, actually, had 17. Sellout in San Antonio, by the way. Keldon Johnson had 22 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists. Definitely felt like he made the most shots for the Spurs tonight. But he was 2 for 8 from 3, and a couple of them were just not very good shots. Pretty heavily contested. And then Wemby was 4 for 12, 0 for 4 from 3. Like, come on. Like, that's just not, not scaring anybody. A lot of jump shots. 9 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 blocks. One turnover. Just, oh, such bad passing for the Spurs. They shot 43% from the field, 26% from 3 on 10 for 38. And then 78.6% from the line. They only shot 14 free throws, whereas we shot 25. But the Clippers are going to have the best whistle they've ever had now that they have two foul-baiting kings with Harden and Norman Powell. So get used to it. I hate that style of basketball, but it is what it is. Let's talk about the rotation players for the Clippers. We played a nine-man rotation. PJ Tucker, I've been I said before the trade, he puts or when we made the trade, he puts up a lot of donuts. Zero points, five rebounds, zeros across the board in every other category, but fouls where he had two. He didn't get a shot off, and he didn't get a free throw off. He was he was plus five, but he was he was pretty quiet. Didn't think he did anything really. How about I already talked about Zoo and Tice? Tice, unbelievable. 19 and 7 on 80% shooting is wild. Westbrook played 25 minutes. I thought he was good. I thought he was good. You know, you could have wished for him to be a little more efficient, but 10 points, two rebounds, six assists, three steals. I'll take the three steals. Zero turnovers I'll also take. He was plus seven. Four for 11, so not the most efficient. But here's a stat I like. 0 for 1 from three. Well, now only one three-point attempt. I like that. Two for four from the line. I'd like him to be three for four. He has not gotten off to a good start shooting the free throws, which is not good because he gets to the line fairly frequently when he's in because he's so good at getting to the basket. So you want him to do a little better in that department. But I like the performance from Russ. And overall, on Russ watch, with the whole he got benched thing, and he did get benched. Um, his spirits seemed a lot better. Because, again, I, I, think, I think he felt like he played well. And he did. So it's the Spurs, though. That's the thing. Can he play well against good teams off the bench? That'll be something to watch. But it's all about his mood, and you're only as good as your last game. So if Russell Westbrook can buy into that role, watch out. We got one of the best bench players in the league. How about Norman Powell? Very solid game in this one. 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 steals for him, and a block. I thought his defense was just okay, though, even though he has those stats. 5 for 12 from the field. 2 for 6 from 3, 7 for 7 from the line. Led our team in free throw attempts. Classic foul baiting norm. He played 30 minutes. More than Harden, more than Terrence, and more than Russ and Zoo and Kawhi. But 19 points, you will take that all day. So the Clippers, I'm not counting the bench warming guys. They got 48 points off their bench between just Tice, Russ, and Norman Powell. You'll take that all day. And then Terrence Mann was 0 for 6, a donut, but he had 6 rebounds, 2 assists, and 4 steals. 0 for 4 from 3, really struggling to shoot the ball, but he needs to just keep letting it fly and shoot it with confidence. He's not even looking at the basket sometimes because he's in his own head. That needs to change. Then James Harden, for me, the player of the game, actually. I know it might be surprising, but he was, for me. 13 points, 3 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals. Carving the defense apart like a fucking Thanksgiving turkey. Happy Thanksgiving this week. 4 for 12, as I said. 2 for 8 from 3. Not great efficiency. 3 for 3 from the line. It was only those 3 free throws that he got on that 3-point attempt. But he drained all of them. So I will take it. Clippers shot 47% from the field. 
Not too great from three, 33%, but 88% from the line. The free throws have been really problematic for us the last couple of games. Super happy to see that number. And the Clippers win it by 25. That's two wins in a row, five and seven on the season. And we're now two and five with James Harden. So we move. Now, going to talk about the Lakers and the Rockets. The Lakers, I didn't get to watch the Blazers game. So again, as a reminder, I will be watching or talking about that on basketball on Figueroa with Edwin on Tuesday. But I saw that they won, and they were 2-0 in the in-season tournament. But let's talk about the game against Houston. Of course, Houston losing on that four-point play to James Harden. And we're in a very similar situation on Sunday night. Also, before I go into, into the Lakers, I want to say Tice made some really good reads in the short roll. And I'm not sure about Tice at the four yet because I want to see if that shooting is consistent. And teams like to switch one through four these days, and I don't know if you can consistently do that. But let's talk about the Lakers, who played against the Houston Rockets and won a very narrow game. I took notes for this game, so here is what I got. The Lakers started out up 7-0. AD was being pretty aggressive, you know, on the glass, rolling hard, hit a mid-range on a little pick-and-roll with LeBron. And then... uh. Damn, where are my notes for this game? Anthony Davis was pretty aggressive in the beginning of the game. But then the Lakers went very cold. It, it, I thought they were getting good looks. They just weren't hitting. And Fred Van Vliet hit a couple of threes. And Houston had five threes in the first quarter. And then Austin Reeves came in. And I thought he was better this game in terms of not wasting so many dribbles. He was dribbling more with a purpose. And he was walking into those 18-foot pull-ups. Um more and he was hitting him and he was hitting him now as far as Houston Dylan Brooks you already know that the, the Laker fans are going to boo him he had a little bit of something to prove and you know the way he gets when he plays against LeBron it's always a spectacle and man I gotta say I love the way Dylan Brooks has started this season he has played unbelievably he's knocking down the three. Oh, there we go I got it all right so for I noticed both sides mainly the centers were screening only in the first quarter. And throughout the game for the Lakers, the only other guys that were really setting ball screens were Rui Hachimura and LeBron. And I thought the Lakers were getting really good stuff out of LeBron, whether it be on the roll or Fred Van Vliet switching onto him. The Rockets stopped switching on, on Fred Van Vliet onto him later in the game. But every time they did, they got some good stuff. AD had eight points in the first. But besides AD, the Lakers were just ice cold. LeBron was one for four in the first. And Torian Prince and Cam Reddish were literally missing every shot. Like, they got a bunch of open shots they were missing. Torian Prince even missed a layup. And with the Rockets hitting five threes in that first quarter with AD in that high drop, they went up by 11 points and led 28-20 to 20 after one. Thought Rui Hachimura was taking some tough shots that he didn't need to take, contested jumpers. And the Laker defense, you know, when you're missing shots, that can hurt your defense. You know, teams can get out in transition. You get cross-matched in transition. And your defensive focus just isn't as strong because you don't get it set. And it's just a mindset thing. When you make shots, that lets you play better defense. Anyone that's played basketball knows it's all psychological. Sometimes the best defense is offense. And one thing I thought was interesting was that Darvin Ham sat LeBron and AD out at the same time at the, in the last two minutes and 44 seconds of the first quarter. Very interesting. But they didn't, you know, they didn't pay for it much. And the Rockets were up by eight after one. Now, second quarter, LeBron came in. And he got going 
by facilitating three straight assists to start the quarter and him as a screener was getting good stuff because you know LeBron going downhill you have to account for him him and his finishing ability and he can obviously make the reads as well as anybody that's ever played going downhill and LeBron had a good quarter getting to the rim being aggressive the Rockets went small with Jeff Green and when you see them do that they want to switch everything and one thing I like about this Rockets team this season is they're really playing with a defensive focus with a defensive attitude and they got a lot of switchable personnel with young, big bodies, lanky guys like Jabari Smith and Jalen Green and even Dylan Brooks. He's physical and can guard up. And then you got guys like Tari Eason, Jayshon Tate. These guys are athletes. So I like Houston's defensive potential. I just think that offensively they're not great because Jalen Green is a very hit or miss shooter. And Fred Van Vliet is basically their best offensive player. And I'm, I'm, you know what? No, it's not. It's Shingun, who I love, by the way. But Alperen Shingun's still young. If he and Fred Van Vliet are your best offensive players in the West, then your offense is not going to be that great. I'm sorry. It's not. But Shingun, their defense, though, is pretty good. And I think they're going to be right in the mix to make the plan. And Shingun's fantastic. You know, people call him Baby Jokic. He's a little smaller, but he's got awesome post game. I think he's quicker with the ball in his hands than Jokic. Obviously not the same shooter that he is, but he's got that floater down pat. He really does. He's got great arc on it, great touch on it. He's a really good passer, and he has elite post game. Obviously not the same post game as Jokic. I don't know if he has turnarounds over both shoulders yet. I don't watch him frequently enough, but I will this season, so I'll have that answer for you later. I know he has turnarounds, but I don't know about over both shoulders. If you're a Rockets fan, you could tell me. But they can get so much good stuff out of Shingun in the high post, dribble handoffs with him. And just, I love his moves in the post. I really do. And you saw a lot of that towards the end of this game. But Austin Reeves, as I said, not bad. D'Angelo Russell, though, awful. You know, he's just, the problem is with D'Lo, he's so inconsistent. And that's why he's, to me, never going to be an all-star ever again. He's going to be one of those guys we look at in 20 years as he was an all-star one time with Brooklyn. And he has never been able to replicate that as a second overall pick. He has a star caliber impact some nights. He really does. But... Even with his higher defensive effort this season, it's not good enough um, to consider him a good defender or even okay. I still think he's below average. And so when his shot's not falling and he's not turning the corner well on pick and rolls and not getting in the paint, then he doesn't really do that much. And so, by the way, Dylan Brooks was being left open a lot by the Lakers. They were daring him to shoot, and he was hitting. And the Rockets led... 55 to 49 at halftime. Lakers won the second quarter, 29-27. Then the third quarter, it felt like it took forever. It was a really sloppy quarter from the Rockets. Give credit to the Lakers. They turn up their defensive intensity. Of course, you know what Anthony Davis is going to bring defensively. Cam Reddish, probably the best point of attack defender right now in the Lakers, but they aren't really good at the point of attack right now. They're very lucky AD is who he is. And in this game, I thought LeBron had a good defensive game. I thought his help was good, pretty well-timed. He didn't have too many moments of falling asleep. I don't think he's been very good uh, defensively this season. I don't think he's been very good defensively since before Solomon Hill fell on his ankle, although last year in the playoffs he was. But this season, he's had a couple of decent defensive games, but I think he's been poor on defense overall. But... How, you know, it, he's the standard that we're holding LeBron to at his age, no one's ever been held to. So I have to acknowledge that as well. And offensively, he was still great. And in this game, I just thought he had a great overall game because he was doing it in every facet. And when the Rockets were turning the ball over a ton in that third quarter, the Lakers were taking advantage, especially with AD, who had 13 points in the third. 
Jeff Green, who was playing that small ball five of the Rockets, I thought he was actually playing pretty well. He was passing up a lot of threes, but he was getting downhill and had some good moves going downhill. In the same way that Paul George for the Clippers tonight, I looked at the uh, box score and I was like, whoa. LeBron, by the end of the third quarter, he had 24 points, and I was like, damn, that felt like 18 or 20. I didn't know he had 24, but he had a nice running hook on Dylan Brooks, and he hit him with a two small, and I was like, uh-oh. I like what Dylan Brooks brings out of LeBron. He makes him play even harder, gets him. You know, LeBron's one of those guys, he doesn't talk shit unless provoked, like Will Chamberlain. Not like He's not like a Kobe, Larry Bird, or, or MJ in that regard, but when he gets provoked, he will talk back and forth, and uh, I like that LeBron. I actually kind of like Angry LeBron, I always have. Christian Wood, he was playing a lot of drop coverage, had some decent contests uh, at the end of that third, towards the end of that third quarter, but he only played 18 minutes, had a donut, and had two rebounds, and was 0 for 4 and 0 for 3 from deep. So not too much from Christian Wood. Lakers went 9 deep. Jackson Hayes being one of those reserves who played 5 minutes, had a donut, two rebounds, didn't get a shot off, didn't get a free throw. Then, of course, Austin Reed and Rui Hachimura. Thought Rui played a little better in the fourth quarter. LeBron started out the fourth just like he started out the second, throwing dimes, whether it be in the pick and roll. And as Austin Reeves has gone to the bench, you see LeBron gets to run more pick and rolls now. So keep seeing that those – or keep expecting those assist numbers to be on the higher side than it was before Reeves went to the bench because now he can pick and roll uh, – he can handle the ball and pick and roll more. They need him to. They have two guys with Reddish and Torian that are just going to be off-ball guys. And LeBron and D'Lo and AD are going to initiate. And so LeBron's throwing dimes, making some great passes. Reeves getting to the line. This was a better offensive game for him, as I said. Had a really nice up and under in the second quarter. And just more intentional with his dribbles. But you know who else was starting to be intentional with his dribbles and making an impact? Shangoon. And he started getting going after he was a little quiet for a bit. And by the way, the Lakers outscored the Rockets 32-20 in the third. So just really bad quarter for Houston. Really good one for the Lakers. They were up by six going into the fourth. And the Rockets were switching basically everything except for Fred Van Vliet and Shingoon onto Braun or Rui. So the Jalen Greens, the Jabari Smith, the Dylan Brooks, they were switching. Tari Eason, those guys. And there was a while in that fourth quarter where it was Dylan Brooks versus Braun. Braun was starting to get going, getting downhill. And when, when LeBron hit a turnaround over his left shoulder, anybody that listens to me frequently knows that I call out that LeBron does not like turning over his left shoulder because his shot comes from the upper left side of his head. So when he really is feeling himself, he shoots that turn over the left shoulder and you know he has to square his body by kicking his legs out for that one. And when he hangs long enough, he can get it to where he angles the shot nicely, where he can square his, himself with the basket, even fading that way. And when he made it late in that fourth quarter, I was like, uh-oh. LeBron had 13 points in the fourth. He's been really good closing so far this season, I think. And he and Dylan Brooks were trading threes. I thought that was amazing. Dylan Brooks making them. And LeBron, by the way, he had that monster dunk where Shingun just like did not show at all. And they just let him turn the corner and have a line drive down Figueroa. That was insane. And just the elevation. Like I, his athleticism is ridiculous. Like I don't understand how long this is going to last. Like this is actually crazy. Actually crazy, but winding down the stretch of this game, AD had good defense on Shingun in the post, one-on-one, -on -one, at the rim in general, but he was dropping a little too deep in the fourth quarter on Fred Van Vliet. I don't know why. You should know Fred Van Vliet's pull-up 
coming off of screens is exactly what he's always done. And AD was just dropping too deep for me. And then he fouled out. I think, you know, it's it's so tempting when you catch the ball on a roll like that uh, to go into the body and be aggressive. But you've got to be careful just lunging into Shingun like that, looking for an and one when you have five fouls. I'm sorry. And it, had the game gone to overtime, the Lakers could have been screwed because they wouldn't have had AD. But thankfully, there were some big plays made late in the game. And with the score tied at 100. And by the way, Darvin Ham, when AD went out, he went small with the switch everything scheme with Reeves, Rui, LeBron, I think Cam Reddish. And I forget if Torian Prince was out there at the end, but I believe he was. Not that it really matters anyway. Because the last play was big time. Yeah, it was Torian Prince. Torian Prince, LeBron James, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura. And by the way, score tied at 100. LeBron's feeling it, right? So he gets the double team, makes the pass over to Austin Reeves. It was definitely the right pass because they they doubled one pass away. And Austin Reeves from way downtown hit the go-ahead three. That could be huge for his confidence going forward. And, man, you got to feel for Rockets fans. You saw... James Harden. And it was the same exact score. That's the funniest part to me. It was 100 to 100. James Harden hits the four-point play. Austin Reeves hits that go-ahead three. I mean, talk about brutal if you're the Rockets. But he makes that shot. And then they go for the quick two. Shingun, beautiful little jump hook or running hook. Then they foul. Austin misses one of the free throws. That was scary. And, God, I forget how that last possession even went. Dylan Brooks missed the three. Oh, no. Shingun tied the game. Yeah, he tied the game at the basket against LeBron. He had a, he had two straight buckets. And then Darvin Ham drew up a really nice play to get the left side of the court isolated for LeBron in the mid post. And Dylan Brooks, as great of a game as he had, made a boneheaded mistake by reaching for or lunging for the steal. And when he cheated, they fouled LeBron, and he missed the first. Got everybody nervous. But one thing about LeBron, he usually gives you one out of two in the clutch at least. And... The Lakers came up with the win after that. By the way, great pass by Shingun up to Dylan Brooks for that final shot. The fact that he got a shot above half court was pretty impressive, but that was it. Lakers with a 105-104 win over Houston. That makes two wins in a row for them. And the Rockets, after winning six games in a row, after losing their first three, have now lost two games in a row, and they're 0-4 on the road, 6-0 at home. Now let's read the lines. First, for the Lakers, actually, the team stats, the Rockets shot 49%. Lakers shot 47%. Rockets shot 38% from three. Lakers only shot 21% from three. So they were just poor from three all night long. A bunch of open looks, and that's been a theme for the Lakers so far this season. But the thing is, turnovers, oh, man, 18 for each team. Lakers had 24 points off of the Rockets' turnovers. Houston had 18 points off the Lakers' turnovers. But the difference in the game, free throw attempts and rebounding. 29 free throw attempts for the Lakers, only 10 for Houston. The Lakers made 21 free throws, so they shot 72% from the line. Rockets shot 8 of 10, so 80% from the line. And again, I mean, the Rockets fans were complaining about the lack of calls against the Clippers, and there were some missed calls the league announced in the last two minutes. But everybody complains about the Lakers getting more free throws than everybody, and I know that they're the Lakers, and they had that whole thing last year where LeBron was crying for calls. But their two best players just attack the basket more. And then their third best player, if you think it's Reeves, gets a lot of calls. He's just got the knack for foul baiting like Norman Harden does do. I mean, 
People just don't really want to admit it. As far as everything else, rebounds, 42-34 to 34 in favor of the Lakers. Now let's read the individual lines. By the way, the Rockets outscored the Lakers 29-24 in the fourth. They played a 10-man rotation. Jock Landale played four minutes, had a donut and a rebound. Wasn't great. Didn't even get a shot off. Aaron Holiday played 15 minutes. He was 0 for 3. I uh, had a donut. Five assists, though. Jay Sean Tate, four points, three rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Two for three from the field. He's been shooting really well from three so far this season, so I've enjoyed seeing him play lefty. Then Tari Eason had two points and five rebounds on one for two shooting. The thing is, I wasn't watching this game from a Rockets perspective like I had the first, how many games did I watch? I saw their first three L's, and then I saw their two wins against Sacramento and then their win against Charlotte. So three wins in a row. And then their win against the Lakers, so four wins in a row. Jeff Green, 13 points on five for five shooting, all of them twos, and three for three from the line. And then the starters. Yeah, this team's bench is not that great. I do like Jay Shantae and Tari Eason, though. But they're missing a men Thompson. I forgot about that. They're missing a men Thompson. Starting lineup for the Rockets. Jabari Smith. You know what? I wasn't a huge fan of Jabari Smith last year. Just thought he was a big man that just chucked. But he has really good defensive versatility. Uh, I think he moves his feet pretty well. He's got great length. And he's really mobile. And he can handle the ball. So he gives you... He gives you options. You know, you can you can use him in a lot of creative ways. And he's a true stretch big. And he's got a decent mid-range. I just want to see him develop more of a one-on-one game. You know, it doesn't have to be off the bounce like crazy. Just mid-post, you know. These guys, a lot of them just don't get a post game. Just because you're skinny doesn't mean you can't post up. Watch my, I know it's a different era, but watch my videos, my film breakdowns on Kareem. And just look at the position that he gets. I get it. Close, you know, it's not a three-point game yet. But just look at the position he gets and how he uses his size. I, I show it in the in the tape. So it, it can be done a little more. I think Jabari Smith has a lot of potential, and I'm liking what I'm seeing. Jalen Green, from my vantage point, see, in this game he was, let's see, by the way, Jabari Smith, 14 points, 5 rebounds, an assist and a steal. He had 3 turnovers, though. 5 for 10 from the field, 2 for 6 from 3. So you'll take the 50% from the field all day, 33% from 3 is whatever. 2 for 2 from the line in 32 minutes. Jalen Green, I've liked what I've seen this season. I think he's been better. I think he's improving. But you just want to see that consistency, the efficiency especially. He can get whatever shot he wants, but it's just about making shots. 9.6 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 turnovers, so not a very good game for him. 30% from the field. 2 for 5 from 3, though, so he shot well from 3. 1 for 3 from the line. Jesus. Got to do better than that. That could have made a difference in the game. Then you had Dylan Brooks. 24 points to go along with 4 steals. (laughs) 9 for 21 from the field, 6 for 11 from 3. Oh, my God. He is hooping this season, man. He's been unbelievable. Shooting insane from the field. And then he was shooting 53% from 3 going into the Clipper game. I know they haven't gotten his stats from the game that he's played tonight. Let's see if they won. No, they lost. So they've lost three straight games. They got the California beatdown. They lost to both LA teams and the Warriors. Uh, 121 to 116. And Warrior fans, I'm going to talk about the Warriors soon. Don't worry. I'm getting close. I've been I've been watching, though. I've been watching. So DB right now, before this game tonight, he's shooting 51% from three. <laughs> See, uh, unbelievable. And he's not shooting as much. So you got you to gotta like that. And then Shingoon. Wow. Very solid performance overall from him. 23 points, 10 rebounds, and five dimes to go along with a block on Anthony Davis. 
He had four turnovers, though. Their starting lineup had a combined 16 turnovers. That's way too much. 11 for 16 from Shingun. One for two from three. And he got no free throw attempts, which is pretty wild to me, actually. So maybe he should have gotten some free throws because he was pretty aggressive. But that's an amazing line. Then Fred Van Vliet. Didn't shoot well, but 15 points and 16 assists to three turnovers. Wow. Didn't feel like he had 16 assists. Five for 14 from the field, three for 10 from three, and two for two from the line. So didn't shoot very well. So that's the thing about the Rockets, right? They have their backcourt. And even if you, Dylan Brooks of the past, they have a tendency to just have these really cold games. So that could be something to watch. Lakers. Hachimura was in double figures at least. 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, and two steals. He had two turnovers though as well. Four for 10 from the field and 0 for 4 from 3. Thought he sh shot a couple of ill-advised jumpers. But overall, if you can get if you can get in double figures, that's going to help the team. Played 32 minutes and his defensive versatility is good. D'Angelo Russell, he was sat out at the end of the game and rightfully so. Four points, five rebounds, two assists, and three steals. You like the three steals. Three turnovers, one for eight from the field, one for five from three. Yikes. He's got to be better. Got to be more consistent. Austin Reeves, really good game. 17 points, six rebounds, and six assists. Two turnovers. He'll take a three-to-one assist to turnover ratio. Five for seven from the field, two for three from deep, and five for six from the line. So efficient across the board in 25 minutes. Got to love that from Austin Reeves. And then Cam Reddish. Actually, no, let's go Torian Prince first. 24 minutes, two points, four rebounds, two assists, and two turnovers on one for 11 shooting and 0 for 4 from three and 0 for 1 from the line. God, that's hideous. He's got to make shots. He's getting open shots. Cam Reddish, seven points, three rebounds, three assists, three steals. By the way, Cam Reddish has a real knack for getting sneaky steals in the backcourt. So keep an eye on that going forward. Seven points, three rebounds, three assists, three steals. Three for nine from the field and one for five from three. So he was okay to me. Decent defensively. He was a plus 13, which is the highest of anyone in the game. But like single game plus minus, like 33% and 20 from three. Eh, he was whatever. And then the big boys, AD, 27 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. He did turn the ball over four times, including the sixth foul, which was an offensive foul. He got him fouled out of the game. But he was 11 for 15 from the field, five for seven from the line. Very efficient game, just solid overall. And then the king, the player of the game, such a great performance. 37 points, six rebounds, eight assists, three steals, just two turnovers, 4 to 1 assist to turnover ratio, 14 for 19 from the field, 2 for 5 from 3 and 7 for 9 from the line including the game winning free throw in 40 minutes. That's a lot, but anything to get the win. LeBron James, huge. To end, as far as the Houston Rockets, I'm very impressed. I think Shingun's actually their best player to be honest. Van Vliet second, but Dylan Brooks you can make the argument has been their second best player this year and I just I just love the defensive tenacity that Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks have brought. And I'm kind of rooting for Dylan Brooks. I mean, I've, I was a fan of him at Oregon. He was so good there. But then I don't like Memphis, right? And then he started talking too much. But I really like his personality because he just doesn't give a fuck. Like, he really doesn't care. And I just like how hard he plays. He guards. And I'm enjoying what he's doing. And you got to give the credit to Ime Udoka. 
this Houston Rockets team had a lot of these same players last year. Shingoon, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, Jayshon Tate. But with the addition of Jeff Green, Jock Landale, Dylan Brooks, Brad Van Vliet, they're got, they've gotten this much better. They look like a real NBA team now. Of course, they have natural growth from their young players, but Ime. The Ime effect is real. I mean, all due respect to Steven Silas, he didn't field a serious team, didn't command the locker room from everything I heard from Rockets fans. But Ime, he, he means business when he steps through that door. We saw it with Boston, and now he's got these guys playing with a defensive attitude. I have not seen many turnarounds like this in my life because you know what? That Rockets team last year was maybe the most unserious NBA team of my entire life. They were they were a joke. They were they played pickup basketball. This team, they're a basketball team. And they might make the play in. Keep an eye on them. I think they're very interesting. So it's, this is the first Houston Rockets team I've actually like kind of liked since McGrady, straight up. I, I didn't mind the James Harden, Jeremy Lin first year. You know, that was when James Harden before Mike D'Antoni made him unwatchable. But <laughs> all right, that's enough for me tonight, guys. Thank you so much for joining. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Basketball on Figueroa will be out tomorrow morning to talk about the latest in all things Lakers and Clippers. And, of course, of course, I'm going to still talk about some other teams coming up. I've checked the Rockets off. I think I've, I've, I've gotten what I need to see from them, so I'm not going to be trying to watch all their games. I've done the Spurs. I'm starting to kind of be off them too. And Wemby, and just watch highlights now because I kind of see what he is as a player. Dallas, they're uh, they've. I already talked about them when we lost to them. They have complementary pieces now that better fit Luca. Good defense, um, better defense, I should say. And Luca's been on a tear. And Kyrie Irving, I heard, has been playing good defense. And I mean, that duo offensively is is pretty lethal. Just need some guys that can make shots around them. And Derek Lively, great young rookie, great rim runner, lob threat, definitely an upgrade over uh, Dwight Powell. So Dallas is better than I thought. They actually are. Houston is actually about where I thought. Maybe a little better, but Dallas is about where I thought. But anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Will I be live on Tuesday night? Probably, right? Lakers are playing? Let's see, let's see what the Lakers are playing. Lakers. Yeah, they're playing the Jazz tomorrow in the in-season tournament. So we'll be live after that game. All right, have a good night, everybody. Peace. And now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat.